Hello and welcome to Questonia, where we ask the questions we think need answering in Estonian news and culture. I'm Stuart Garlick and I'm here with Marius Hellrand. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday 1st of July and this podcast is released on Thursday the 2nd of July. Uh, Marius, hi, good to see you after a uh, slightly longer break for the Estonian Christmas in summer, Yarnipav, uh, St John's Day, Midsummer Day, whatever you want to call it. Um, I had a fairly quiet one in a back garden with a barbecue and uh, some homemade cully. Um What did you do on Yarnipav? Also a very quiet and laid back uh, Yarnipav. And this is indeed the most important holiday for Estonians of the whole year. I mean, even shops close, unlike at Christmas. But um, actually, my most exciting experience was... Um, uh, the day after, or on the 24th, I went bear watching in Lana Viruma at a hideout in the woods where you can um, spend the night in a in a hut with um, small windows and watch uh, raccoon dogs and squirrels and uh, bears indeed roam around and uh, have fun. So uh, this was something uh, worth uh, doing during the midsummer because of the of the light well w- one of the unforeseen upshots of the coronavirus uh, shutdown was that bears returned to Tallinn for the first time in uh, in in a very very long time so you didn't actually need to go outside the city to see bears this year but uh, w- um, how how close did you get to them a couple of meters i would say perhaps 10 meters because uh, in the hut uh, you, you go in early in the afternoon and uh, wait for a few hours so the bear doesn't really know that there are people there it's just uh, the, the expectation is that when the bear arrives oh I have to be quick and uh, shoot them pictures and do the video and everything and see it quickly but then in the end it turns out that the bear just keeps hanging out there so there, there's no hurry it's a very sort of relaxing experience because the bear doesn't know you're there and you are protected i would not be comfortable meeting a bear just on the on uh, on the street or or in the woods uh, without protection but uh, in inside the hut it felt very safe and at the same time very approachable there is, there is a Danish joke about their summer that uh, you never know whether the Danish summer will happen on a Wednesday or a Thursday. And um, it, you could easily change the uh, word Danish to Estonian because uh, it's raining outside and it's been raining for the last two days. And if you can hear it, it's because it's torrential and it will be like this until 2021. But uh, summer has happened and it was very good, wasn't it? Um, and uh, we, um, now we're going to talk about something else that happened in June because it was Pride Month and we're going to wrap up uh, some of the things that happened in Pride Month uh, and also some of the uh, issues going forward for the LGBT plus community with uh, Christina Raud who is uh, um, on the management board and she's communications manager for the Estonian LGBT Association. Marius what are some of the things that we're going to speak to Christina about? Well obviously Pride and obviously the the um, gender neutral partnership law in Estonia how, that was passed almost six years ago and what, what have been the, the 
consequences of that and has there been any has there been any change in attitude and also what i'm curious about is how has the change in government a year ago affected the minority communities here with the the quite divisive rhetoric entering government level there is something else on the table which we talk about briefly in the interview, uh, which is uh, a proposed constitutional amendment. But uh, as as we've uh, as we've talked about briefly before doing this podcast, um, constitutional amendments take an awful long time, don't they? And uh, so this constitutional amendment um, uh, that's being proposed, uh, it's it's part of an advisory referendum or a plebiscite, if you like, to. Um, uh, to to potentially change the constitution so that uh, marriage is uh, officially between only a man and a woman. Um, how how likely is this to actually happen, and is it a distraction from the issues we should be talking about during next year's local elections? It is a very nasty distraction, actually, and it is a it is a dark horse that uh, that ECRA has built into this coalition agreement in the first place, because. Uh, uh, tying a a plebiscite about uh, a marriage into uh, local elections is is really uh, just a vicious uh, idea to do. It has nothing to do with uh, with the issues uh, on the local uh, uh, level or a municipal level. So it's it's going to distract uh, from the issues that you need to discuss and debate in the in the campaign for the local elections it's the roads the schools the kindergartens it has nothing to do with uh, real practical life of people it's just another really um, smart um, attempt by ecra to to um, dominate the agenda and lead the discussion towards more division in the society and uh, Obviously, their uh, wish was to put it on a referendum that would uh, have a constitutional change um, as a result. But uh, the other coalition partner center and Isama understand very well the danger of this um, uh, this approach because if the referendum um, then fails, the government has to resign. So in order to play it safe, but at the same time... Um, have this kind of um, distraction they uh, they uh, use this form of a plebiscite that doesn't doesn't really result in a constitutional change or a legislative change of any kind at all and i think the the best uh, sort of comment or explanation or analysis on that issue that i've seen was from leah Henney, who was actually one of the authors of the estonian constitution in the first place uh was that um, in order to have a law change uh, in the constitution, it has to be passed by two subsequent uh, uh, by two subsequent uh, parliaments, which means that the very first date when this change can theoretically happen is 2027 and she com- she compared this uh, this plan to a to an arab uh, story where a, a very smart guy promised the caliph to teach the camel to uh, speak in 20 years for a very good uh, pay 
that he received immediately. And uh, the other part of the deal was that if the camel won't be able to speak in 20 years, he would uh, his head will be chopped off. His friends were very worried about this, but he was um, he was not worried at all. He said, like in 20 years' time, it's either the camel who is dead, the caliph who is dead, or I who am dead. But now I'm a wealthy man. And that's exactly the plan of Ekra as well. They will get uh, their support, their popularity and uh, their votes. But uh, they don't really care about uh, achieving the result. And that they can uh, Trump style mobilize their base over a massive uh, right wing issue that people get overheated about uh, while also ignoring um, administrative and pork barrel issues in um, in their communities. Yes. And um, there is another dangerous thing built into this uh, referendum is that the the voting rights in Estonia are, um, are quite special. And in the municipal elections, for example, people who have um, the who are, have the legal residency rights or are EU um, uh, EU country, citizens of EU countries, etc., and or citizens with no passport but who, and legal resident here, they they have the right to vote at municipal elections, whereas they won't have the right to uh, to vote at this plebiscite. So you will have people going to the election um, offices only to find out that they, they actually don't have the right to vote in one of the elections taking place at the same time. This can lead to quite some um, disappointments and uh, possibly, you know, tensions. But uh, potentially that's um, by design rather than accident in that they will then, if you like, cast their referendum vote in the local election, which is nothing to do with the referendum. Of course, absolutely. Right, we'll talk about this and more with Christina Rhodes. Christina, uh, thank you for joining the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So um, maybe let's begin by uh, just talking through for those who don't know, um, what is the Estonian LGBT Association? What does it do for people? And uh, what what are what are some of the activities and some of the events that it puts on throughout the year? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Estonian LGBT Association is, simply put, an organization that works for and with the LGBT plus community and their loved ones. And we do that by working in, in different fields, uh, such as advocacy, education, awareness raising, uh, and community support. So basically, we do, we do pretty much everything. <laughs> and we're the only organization of its sort in Estonia. There are other groups working with the LGBT community, but we're like the one big comprehensive like advocacy organization. And our work includes... Uh, um, you know, talking to politicians, monitoring our legislation, uh, trying to kind of influence um, the decisions that are being made for our people, um, working in communication, um, you know, putting out our own content, keeping the conversation going, talking, working with journalists, uh, also working in education with, with the youth as well as professionals in education, so youth workers, teachers, anybody connected to schools or the field of education in general, 
uh, put on seminars uh, um, and trainings. And in the community uh, field, we have a community center, which is currently the only LGBT community center in the country. And we do events, so smaller events for the community, like support groups. We have several support groups for different um, like target groups. Uh, we have bigger, like maybe more entertaining events. Uh, every year we celebrate our birthday, which is a big party. And we are also the main organizers of the Baltic Pride Festival, which is a shared pride festival between the Baltic states. And it happens in Estonia every three years because it rotates between the countries. And we actually just had it last week, uh, mostly online. It was supposed to be this huge festival. And we're very excited because we only give, get it once every three weeks. But we did our best to have it safe and special this year. Yeah, um, how how was Pride Month affected? I mean, obviously it was affected a lot by by having to do it online. But did you still find there was a, a similar level of enthusiasm to when you were able to do it in person? Um, there was definitely a lot of you know people were upset and sad because it wasn't just our Pride that was affected. Like hundreds, if not thousands, of Prides worldwide were affected. Mostly either cancelled or postponed. Or, or you know, still organized, but on a much smaller scale. And when this first all started happening, and people started like having to make decisions whether to postpone, whether to cancel. How do you tell your community that we're canceling Pride? It was all like it was very difficult and very stressful for the organizers because it's such an important event for the community. Um, so when we made the decision, the decision and announced it, obviously people were upset, but I feel like people still. You know those who read our explanation, and we had we had several very like you know big reasons for doing because we weighed all our options, and there was really no other option. So people understood it, but they were still sad. They were still thinking like maybe we could have it some other way. What can we do? So we didn't want to leave ourselves and the community with nothing. So we had a week long uh, Baltic Pride safe and special week where we had lots of stuff online from you know, quizzes to concerts and uh, and conversations with interesting people. And there are a few events, you know, in person as well. And I was at one of those parties uh, on Saturday and you could just, you could feel the excitement and the hunger people had for just coming together under rainbow flags and just being happy and celebrating. There was a small march though in Tallinn. Yes, well, uh, the media did uh, decide to call it a parade. We tried to be adamant about calling it an action instead of a parade because a parade is still something it's something different and something bigger. But since we couldn't have a march in the streets, we could have just couldn't take the responsibility of of the well-being of you know, thousands of people in the situation. Um, and also the organization of it was on hold basically for months. So we still wanted to bring our voices and our faces and our colors to the streets. So we had a limited number of people uh, walking through Tallinn with uh, posters in three languages and with the Rhythms of Resistance um, group who played their, their drums. You could still feel like your message was brought out even if you couldn't be there yourself. For, for those people who uh, don't live in Estonia or the Baltics, uh, just explain, you know, we're, we're not in lockdown right now and there are minimal mm. restrictions on movement. So uh, uh, there, there was a Pride-affiliated party on Saturday night as well in uh, Sveta Bar, which is one of the uh, one of the new trendy hipster bars uh, down by the railway station. And um, 
it was really good to see the number of people attending that. So obviously uh, the indoor concert, there was an attendance limit on that. But uh, outside, it really felt at that moment like uh, it's no longer a um, scary or difficult thing to be out in Estonia. Is is that the case everywhere, though? Or is that just the case in the more upwardly mobile, um, trendy parts of Tallinn, do you think? It's definitely very uneven. Uh, there are actually two parties, one at Sveta and one at X-Bar, which is the oldest LGBT bar, not only in Estonia, but in the Baltics. So there were two parties and they were both packed, uh, but the, the people going to either one are quite different. So like people could choose which one you know, spoke to them more. And I'm happy that people could find either one or the other. Um, but definitely... You don't see this kind of, you know, excitement about coming together as LGBT people or for LGBT people every day. So in Thailand, the situation is pretty good, especially, like, especially if you're if you're in that group of people who maybe hang out in Teleskivi, um, or or are able to kind of find a f- group of friends uh, to hang out with. But across Estonia, there are very different situations for people. In Tartu, we've also seen quite a lot of solidarity. We saw uh, recently saw um, a kind of spontaneous demonstration in support of LGBT youth, um, which we actually had nothing to do with. It was just a surprise to everybody else and very, very much touched. So in bigger towns and cities, you can you can find support somewhere, if not everywhere. But across the country, the situation can be very different, which also actually came out um, in our school climate survey. Uh, obviously, this only concerns you know, young people who go to school and, you know, people of that age. But you can see how in a bigger city with a bigger, uh, you know, better awareness of topics, uh, young people feel safer and more accepted, whereas where nobody's talking about the topics uh, you can see more hostility and more people afraid of coming out. Could we look at the uh, sort of the bigger picture and trends here? Um, I think until uh, last year, the, sort of the overall attitude towards uh, LGBT issues and partnerships in Estonia has become more liberal and more accepting. Because the studies at least showed, like from a year ago, that uh, that uh, m- more people actually now support um, gender-neutral partnership than oppose it, and uh, especially among the Estonian natives, the support is uh, much larger. Uh, it it was a very polarizing issue when the when the partnership law was. Uh, um, was decided upon uh, almost six years ago, and it has um, it has uh, it has stalled somehow in the implementation. But ha- has there been a change of attitude? You think within these six years, and has there there been another change within the last year, perhaps when we have this kind of government that uh, that actually uh, where members of the government. Uh, or the governing parties um, incite violence against uh, minorities. Quick explainer as well. The uh, the 
Re Registered Partnership Act. Uh... Basically, an opportunity for people who don't want to want to get married to register their relationship, and it's gender neutral. Hmm. Uh, so it's 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 a bit more difficult, and it requires a bit more paperwork and also money <laughs> to get your uh, partnership contract than it is to get married. But it's still it's still a good opportunity to still to register your relationship and get the rights that married people can get. Uh, but to Mari's question, I mean, I don't have the numbers to back this up. This is like my perceptions from what I see from my work and, you know, being part of the community. Uh, that's true. There are the numbers that there are more people in support of this law now. Um, the changes I would say that I've seen is on one hand, it's, um, like, I don't necessarily feel the increase in support that the numbers show. Maybe it's because, you know, the opposing voices are just so damn loud <laughs> mm -hmm. and they're getting louder and louder and louder. And they're very much influencing how people perceive the, you know, the general opinion to be. Um, but what I do think is that everything that's been happening not just with lgbt issues but everything with the with getting the government that we got last year and how they've behaved and what they've said and what they've done it's mobilized people i mean estonia i don't think has had that many demonstrations as it is it's had since last year <laughs> like not in my lifetime i don't think um so you could see people being like finally being it um, upset enough to actually come out and say something, even though it's not in large numbers because, you know, we're not that much of a protesting nation. Um, but it's still more than I've seen before. And that also includes people being upset about how minorities are being treated, including the LGBT people. Um, so that kind of support, I feel, has grown. So when people actually come out on the streets because they are uh, they're not okay with how a government party is talking about our LGBT youth and our youth workers who want to protect or support those young people. When that's why people come out in the streets, like that's already saying something. And especially since it's not organized by some, you know, kind of specific organization like us or somebody else, but it's just, it's the people's will to come and say that this is not okay. So this is something new. But what I have noticed more of an increase in is how the community itself feels and behaves. I feel like uh, despite everything that's going on around us in our country and in, in the world, the community is noticeably getting more confident and more aware of you know, itself and its worth. So, I mean, the increase is probably driven mostly by young people who have grown up with the world where they, where they can access any information regarding their identities on, online, where they can find more support from their friends. It's not a, that big of an issue for them anymore, but that drives the general uh, vibe, I think, of the community being like, no, I deserve to be here. I deserve my rights. You can hate me all you want, but I'm still going to be me and I'm going to find a place where that's accepted. So that's something that I definitely do. I wonder if you feel that the President Kalulait is on your side because the, the latest step when she sent back to the parliament the, the foreign service law that uh, disregarded um, the, the rights of, uh, of uh, same-sex partners uh, of diplomats. I feel, and we in my organization feel, that 
I don't know if we could say that she's on our side, but we do feel she's on the right side <laughs> because it's her job to, you know, protect the Constitution, to express uh, her opinions on issues regarding, you know, the well-being of our nation, pretty much. And it should be normal that the president does those things, but since it hasn't really happened that much uh, here, whenever she does do that, it feels like such a big deal and it's immediately used against her by her, oppo uh, her opponents and our opponents. So, I mean, I don't... I've reached a point as an LGBT person and an activist where I don't want to pat people on the back for just being decent human beings, but however, I do feel that in the situation that our country is currently in, uh, her steps and her words are very commendable and I appreciate it very much. And actually, um, you know, on a positive note, uh, recently we gave out um, Rainbow Hero Awards. It was this first time that we wanted to do something nice for, for people that we felt um, had said something or done something that really contributed to the well-being of the LGBT community in Estonia and among other people. And so the community itself could propose candidates. And then from the people's explanations and reasons they gave, we chose the winners in like 10 categories, I think. And one of them was the president. And mm -hmm. it's because the community very much felt that even if she doesn't say specifically, I support LGBT people, uh, how she addresses our people and the issues that she brings out in terms of how, you know, the vulnerable uh, groups in our society are being treated by, by, you know, other people and also by our government and how she appreciates, uh, you know, our civic society and uh, our NGOs and, and people just trying to protect those who need protection. Um, the community really like resonates with that and they appreciate her very much. And also it really helped that for the first time ever, um, our organization's representatives were invited to the Independence Day reception. Mm. So that was a very special moment and people wrote to us a lot saying that seeing that, seeing two women there holding hands and shaking hands with the president, just like it made their day. <laughs> Obviously, she's made these very positive steps, but uh, um, she she does have uh, the uh, fairly big problem coming up of having to contest uh, c having to contest a presidential election really for the first time because she was the compromise candidate uh, in the last election, um, which uh, the minutiae of I won't go into, but. Um, how how much of a concern is it to you that she appears to um, be too progressive to get the political backing of much of Parliament? Um, and so you may end up with a more conservative president who may try and erode LGBT rights further or at least not oppose the erosion of it uh, in, in the next presidential cycle. Uh, yes, obviously that's a concern because when we, she, when we see what she's doing and what she's saying, we're like, yay, but also... So, uh oh. <laughs> um, so that is a concern. Uh, however, I'm definitely not of the mind that that she shouldn't do those things because we see in our politics, it's very common that our politicians live from you know elections to elections. Like instead of focusing on what they've been elected to do, they live for the elections. And then, you know, maybe like a little part of their time at work, they devote to the actual issues, let's say local issues. But then everything else is kind of 
the priority seems to be to be elected instead of the substantial work. And um, like, obviously, I would like a president like her or somebody like her to stay as a president, but I'm not going to compromise my own rights and my community's rights for several years, just so several years later, we can maybe have a good president. Like, we need those steps now anyway. Yes, and it won't make any difference because the, the election of the president, the way it happens in Estonia, it's just part of the deal between the different political parties and it's a numbers game. It has less to do with the values of the of the person because of the of the way this procedure happens. What do you consider the major challenges for your organization and for the community here within the foreseeable future? Mm, well, speaking for our organization, um, obviously funding is also always an issue. Uh, like it's it's difficult to get funding. Um, it's difficult to get stable funding, and if you don't have stability in your finances, it's also hard to do to find stability in your in your work and your achievements. Like we're all doing this job because we believe it's important, and we're obviously not doing it for the money because you know good luck getting rich with this job. But um, you still need resources. You need resources to pay people. You need resources to do things. And with the coronavirus now kind of influencing the finances of the state in general, um, our own finances have been cut a bit. Um, not too badly, but it's still we're going to feel the influence of that for a while. Um, and also Estonian is in a situation where if we're talking about international funding, like in a sense, we're not critical enough to be a priority to fund because there are countries where the situation is way worse. But also, we're not quite far enough yet to say that, okay, we don't need that extra support, we got this. So we're kind of in limbo here in that sense. And recently also I read that um, on the European level, uh, there are discussions that uh, the resources for funding and supporting um, you know, NGOs uh, is they want to like uh, cut it uh, by quite a substantial amount, as I understand. So there are NGOs now gathering together uh, signatures to say that this is not okay. Like the, right now is a time where we need more support for NGOs working on civil rights, not less. So there's definitely that aspect. And also just, you know, the position of our community in our country, like it's very hard to get ahead in anything when you're constantly being bombarded by attacks, by, uh, you know, false information, by fake news, by just anything really, in either organization or our people. So you're constantly in crisis mode or defense mode. It's very hard to get things done that way. But we have to because if we focus on only being reactionary, then you know we're giving we're giving them what they want basically. Uh, just just to debunk one thing which you hear a lot about, uh, it, it, it's it's said a lot falsely that the LGBT association gets a lot of funding from the state. Uh, obviously, you can't talk in specific numbers, but roughly what kind of percentage are we talking about of state funding versus donations for the association? Actually, all our numbers are very much public, so anybody has the opportunity to go and look at all our financial reports years and years back, so we're, we've never made a secret out of it. Uh, state funding basically provides uh, our, our center, 
which is also our office and the place where we do counseling and events. And it also pays for our team, half of our team salaries. We have, um, if I'm not wrong now, we have six people on staff. Uh, some people work like less hours, some people work more hours, but basically pays for our part-time jobs. And I can just tell you those numbers are not big. You cannot live off that part-time job. <laughs> uh, and it also supports our communication efforts, you know, translations, making our website a reliable and comprehensive source on LGBT topics. So it's basic, it's the basics of our organization. And anything else we want to do, if you want to work more in education, if you want to work more um, in any field, basically, that's all other separate projects. So we're constantly wearing many, many project hats. Yeah, just um, just to uh, clarify, how worried are you about the, the attacks of uh, uh, ECRA politicians who uh, have threatened to... Uh, you disappeared there for a second, but I'm guessing you asked how threatened we feel by ECRA's threats to defund us. Yes. Okay. It's not nice to hear those things, but we also know that they don't have the power to do that necessarily, and so far... Like we get our funding from the Ministry of Social Affairs. And so far, the Ministry of Social Affairs and the Minister of Social Affairs have been clear on the fact that no organization is going to be discriminated against in terms of uh, applying for funding and getting the funding. We write good projects. We write important and necessary projects. And that's why we get those projects funded. Like that's pretty much it in black and white. Um, it's... What we are more concerned about is how they spread false information about us that we can't really counter in any way because the people who want to believe them are going to believe them anyway. And then if somebody says that you get all this money uh, and you're getting rich off of you know manipulating children into thinking they're LGBT, then if they already believe that, it's very hard for us to say that actually that's no, not, not what we do. So that's more of a threat than the actual threat of defunding mm -hmm. uh th there, there is planned a uh um advisory uh plebiscite uh to take place at the same time as the next local elections uh beginning of next year um about a potential change to the constitution which is part of the coalition agreement to to have this change the constitution so that so that marriage is uh classed as being between a man and a woman um We've discussed this a couple of times, me and Maurice, and we think it's a distraction from the local government issues that should be discussed during the local election cycle. But um, how much of a concern is it for you? And um, uh, also the fact that constitutional amendments take so much legal weight over so many years. Uh, is it an issue that we should be getting overheated about, do you think? Uh, I would say that in technical terms, obviously, it's not that easy to change the Constitution as they make it out to be. So people who don't know maybe the process that well may think that it's easy, but it's actually not. Uh, for us, it's it's obviously an issue of... Uh, uh, our issue is obviously with the fact that uh, a group of families will be without protection if this change does go through. Um, it's also our main issue with this, I guess, is just how this conversation is being had in our society. Like, even if the amendment doesn't go through and it never happens, 
it gets people so polarized and so riled up about this that it makes our job harder. It might even like, you know, take us back several years in terms of how far we've come in understanding what LGBT families are, why they need their rights to be recognized the same as everybody else. So it's it's the mentality thing. There's something else that we talked about before the recording that you said you'd like to discuss, and is is um, the um, the protections that trans people have, and particularly young trans people have in Estonia. Um, maybe you'd just like to give us an overview first of all of what is the situation if you are young and trans in Estonia right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's it can be hard to be LGBT youth in general. It can be hard to be LGBT youth in Estonia. Uh, the school climate survey that I mentioned earlier has shown that LGBT students experience uh, a lot more bullying and just mental and physical violence at school than other students do. And being trans uh, or just the topics of transgender people can be especially difficult for others to grasp. Uh, because it's something that's very hard to relate to, and there's a lot of misinformation going on about that. So actually, gender expression, which is you know also associated to somebody's gender identity, is one of the main factors why LGBT students can get bullied or isolated uh, at school. So this is already kids who don't have a voice in our you know in our socially public discussions uh, and it's trans youth uh, who belong to a group of people that are very much misunderstood and demonized and now lately it seems that uh, you know ECRE in government or organizations uh, on the ground uh, who oppose LGBT com- the, the efforts of the LGBT community um, they have started to use uh, misinformation about transgender youth as a scare tactic basically uh, to scare their supporters but also people who maybe just don't know anything about this and they are either saying that our organization is is encouraging children to you know undergo surgeries and mutilate themselves or that psychiatrists can convince young people people that they're transgender when they're actually not and just a lot of this like really, I would say, heartless manipulation with people and people's lives. And when, you, when you're a trans, young trans person and you feel you know, alone and misunderstood as it is, uh, your mental health can also suffer because of this. And then you see how you know, important people in our country basically dismiss your well-being and the importance of your life. That can lead to very, very sad consequences. So I think that's a very dangerous road that we're going uh, down right now. And it can have very bad like consequences for the most vulnerable in our community. But five, five or six years ago, when the uh, uh, Registered Partnership Act was drafted and then put before Parliament, there was a lot of positive PR that Estonia got in the international press for its uh, progressive agenda, for, for allowing these things to be put, uh, put into law before the other Baltic nations. Um, Sitting as we are in a situation where um, any mention of equal rights seems to get batted back by many conservatives within Parliament and outside, was that progressive feel that Estonia had, the outside world, a mirage in your opinion? And um, uh, was it ever real? And if it was real, can we get back to it somehow? It's definitely. It was definitely an important step forward. Like there, you can't deny that because even though the law doesn't quite work as it should be. 
uh, working, people can still access the rights, even even if it's through court or through more bureaucracy. You know, there are still families that have protections now that they didn't have otherwise. But I do believe that the whole success story was, as you said, a mirage from the very beginning, because from the very beginning, everybody who passed that law also knew that the law is is in limbo or it's not you know functional because they didn't pass the implementation acts and they all knew that uh but you know still the politicians who achieved that not to take away from that achievement but they were going around and selling estonia as the success story while you know patting themselves on the back while they knew perfectly well that the job is half done so the world got the idea that, yes, we did this big thing and we're so much better off than maybe our neighboring countries now. But it was all it was like it was half truth all, all the time. And the people are now having to you know deal with the consequences. And with the government and the parliament that we now have, there's pretty much no hope of of getting that back on the table anytime soon. So we're still happy we have it because it has helped a lot of people. Uh, but we're very much unhappy about how this job is only half done, and it's it's not acceptable that a parliament can just be happy with this. If if you as a parliament, if you pass a law, then you know pass it. <laughs> there are some people on the left who have suggested that somehow they contributed to. Um, uh, ECRA and other conservative groups' popularity in the last five years uh, by going on the process of equal rights for the LGBT community. Um, how frustrating is it to you that uh, people are still being apologetic for, the, for their views and are still blaming themselves, if you like, a lot of the time for the creation of this conservative agenda? Honestly, it will require somebody much more educated on the topic of populism and far-right politics than I am to, you know, tell you what caused the rise in this. Um, I, I mean, anything can contribute to anything. Like, uh, the ripple effects are kind of unpredictable. Uh, but I do not agree with the fact that it's better to keep your mouth shut and hope that it doesn't get worse when, you know, what you're starting with already isn't that good. <laughs> it's it's better to try to achieve something than to play it safe and not change anything. Because something did change. And it like, yes, maybe contributed in some way to the frustrations or the anger of, you know, one group of people or the success of one party. But at the same time, it also really helped and meant a lot to another part of your population. So why would one be more important than the other? Like fearing one's anger shouldn't be reason enough to not respect another's rights. So there's never an easy solution for this. And you know, it, it's kind of similar with uh, pride marches in Estonia, you know, something that I'm more familiar with in that sense, because the last pride march before 2017 was in 2007 so we didn't have those for 10 years and one of the reasonings for that was that because in 2000s it still felt like maybe if we don't cause too much of a conflict or maybe if we're not too loud and visible it'd be easier to pass the law sure we got the law but the data it didn't really give us you know or recognize all our rights so and people who actually were early organizers of pride marches uh, they have actually said that we should have never left the streets because once you leave the streets or once you once you stay quiet, it's easier to you know walk all over you. But even if any nothing gets better, 
you still feel that you have the right to take up space, you have the right for, to a platform, and you have the right to point out the injustices. But if you stay quiet, then everybody will just forget about you because it's easier for them. Yes, absolutely. How can people donate? It's important to remember that all the organizations that work with human rights or LGBT rights in Estonia, they're not big institutions. It's usually about five people doing the job for the entire country. <laughs> so, any, you know, your moral support is very much appreciated because it takes up a lot of energy. But financial support is super important because uh, it actually allows for, for a lot of things to happen that maybe other type of funding that wouldn't allow. So you can donate to our organization. Uh, you can find information on our website, lgbt.ee. But I would also encourage you to uh, donate, if not to us, if that's not quite your cup of tea, then either the Human Rights Center or the organizations who work with people with disabilities. Any one of those organizations who works with a marginalized community and tries to protect people, hum people's human rights like every euro counts i can say that from my personal experience so if you're thinking like you know my contribution doesn't do much then it, it actually absolutely does thank you for listening to questonia you can subscribe to the show on spotify apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio our next program will be on thursday 16th of july bye for now <laughs>